This is Viterbi Voices, the podcast, your chance to hear stories about research, classes, student life, and more directly from our faculty, students, and other members of the engineering community here at the University of Southern California. This is episode 74 in our first installment of our new Office Hour series with host Daniel Donchev. Tune in for a fun conversation with Dr. Unji Chung about personalized medicine and nanomedicine and what her research lab does. Welcome to Viterbi Voices. This is episode... 74. <laughs> we sure about that this time? Definitely You're sure 70. this time. <laughs> 74. I am one of your hosts. My name is Paul Ledesma, Director of Undergraduate Admission here at the USC Viterbi School of Engineering. And my name is Rhea Chowdhury. I'm a junior studying biomedical engineering here at USC. And Rhea... Who is sitting next to you? Who is this Who is this dashing young man? <laughs> we have a new guest here with some more special content, a fellow junior studying biomedical engineering. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, guys. My name is Daniel. Like Rhea said, I'm a junior studying biomedical engineering with an electrical emphasis, and I'm actually kind of honored to be in this position today. <laughs> honored. <laughs> honored? Wow. <laughs> uh, what you guys may not know, or you might, uh, I actually listened to this podcast before I came to USC. <laughs> did you really? And Aww. yeah, I did. And I remember like Paul and Kelly that you guys were like my role models. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> if I could one day like have an opportunity to be on this podcast, wow. it'll really complete this journey. Um, this is something you've never said. I've did never you, heard this before. Did you wait for this moment to record it to actually... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I no, it's love not it. BS. I'm being completely serious. <laughs> So this is the first full circle, like, you were you were listening to it when it was when you were, like, thinking about applying and going through the process yeah. of, of coming in. And now you're on it, man. And you're here because you're kicking off, not only are you just on the podcast, you're kicking off a whole new, like, area, uh, realm, series. What? Tell us what's yeah. going on. So it's, I, I guess I'd coin it as a sub-series. Uh, okay. We're calling it Office Hours. And the whole premise of the series is to have an opportunity. I'm sitting down with a professor and chatting with them about a hot topic in engineering. Uh, what that entails is me picking their brains about uh, the details of the topic because things come up in the news, um, topics such as personalized medicine, artificial intelligence, and you hear a lot about them, but you don't necessarily understand the fundamentals, the yeah. history behind them. Mm -hmm. So having that chance to sit down with someone who's actually involved and can tell you in detail what's going on, what the future of those fields are, uh, was actually pretty insightful, especially after this first episode. I'm really excited. Yeah, very cool. And it's, I love the name Office Hours. I love this concept because as students here, you all rely on Office Hours to go talk with faculty about a variety of things. And so we're taking this concept of, well, you know, you're already used to, like, I'm a student, I have questions, I go to office hours. Well, let's make, let's make a podcast series called Office Hours. Yeah. Uh, and so I love it. And so who, who are, for our inaugural episode of Office Hours, uh, who did you go, wh what office hours did you go to? I went to Dr. Chung's office hours. and Dr. Unji Chung. Yes. Okay. And she is a faculty member in the biomedical engineering department. Uh, she has her own lab that deals with nanomedicine and drug delivery. And she really had great insight and knowledge on personalized medicine because it's something that her lab directly deals with, mm -hmm. um, and they're trying to exp expand upon that field. Very cool. So what is, what is something that you assumed you knew uh, about personalized medicine or all of these things, and what's something that you walked away either corrected or that's something you never knew before? I'd say something that sticks out is I thought that personalized medicine had been around for a very long time. And what Dr. Chung let me know is, while that's true in some sense of the word, 
the new type of personalized medicine that's going on uh, in recent years has only been around for about 10 to 15 years. So it's constantly being iterated upon. Mm-hmm. So I guess the conception of personalized medicine first started with the discovery of DNA, genetics, understanding that while humans are very similar, there are distinct differences um, and that drugs that are developed to cure certain diseases need to take that into account mm-hmm. um, and that there's not one size fits all or a cure for everyone. That's it really awesome. depends. That's Definitely. really cool. And some people, some of our listeners might remember that we had Dr. Chung in our podcast a couple episodes ago. I don't mm-hmm. remember. It's in the 60s. Yeah, don't ask me about episode numbers. <laughs> <laughs> she was in the 60s and she was such a great uh, uh, person on our con- The conversation just flowed for yeah. quite yeah, some time. She's very lively. She's yeah. a very cool person. And, and so I think she was a really great pick to go back and, mm-hmm. and talk to about. And you might remember that we talked a lot about our kids on that episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I don't think I ever told you that uh, a few weeks after that, because um, we were talking about, like, oh, we live in the same area. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. We were yeah. talking about preschools, and you go back and listen to it. You can hear all the, the, the exciting conversation about preschools. <laughs> but that said, like, right around, like, your guys' holiday break, yeah. um, I ran into her at uh, a birthday party for one of my daughter's <laughs> schoolmates. And so we were sitting That's there, awesome. and, and it, was, uh, it was a toddler birthday party. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a three-year-old birthday party. Yeah. And it turns out that my daughter goes to school with someone that they're friends with, oh. uh, that her, that Dr. Chung's husband uh, works with one of the parents. And so, like, this small world, and all of a sudden we're at this, like, yeah. toddler party, <laughs> and, and the kids are playing dress-up. It's really cool. Yeah. It's, like, this music party. They're, like, playing music and oh, wow. making music videos, and it was funny. Oh. Um, but I was like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. We were just, so it was, like, maybe, so like, cool. maybe, like, two or three weeks after that the podcast. small world. So, totally small world. That's super Anyway. Awesome. Very cool. Anything else we should know about this, uh, about office hours and Dr. Chung? And I'd say the episodes are, well, the plan is to have them fast-paced. So it's not a very long episode, about 20 minutes in length. And you really get a sense of, well, at least I got a sense when talking to Dr. Chung about her passion and what drives her research group and how she's motivated to pass on her knowledge of the topic to the people she's working with. Awesome. So it's inspiring. All right. Well, without further ado, we'll get out of the way and hand it over to Daniel for our first edition of Office Hours. Awesome. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new series of the Viterbi Voices podcast called Office Hours. I'm your host. My name is Daniel Donchev. I'm a junior studying biomedical engineering with an electrical emphasis And I'm very excited to have a chance to sit down with some Viterbi faculty and talk to them about some of the fields that they're currently involved in. So our very first guest is someone we've had on the podcast before, Dr. Chung. She is a biomedical engineering professor, and I had a chance to sit down with her and discuss personalized medicine and nanomedicine and some of the implications as to where it came from, why is it such a hot topic, and where is it going to go in the next several years? How does it relate to some of the things she's doing on campus, and what are some ways that students have an opportunity to get involved and learn more about it while researching in her lab? Without further ado, let's have a listen. Well, good afternoon. How's it going? It's good. Oh, actually, it is good afternoon. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Pretty good. How are you? Uh, doing pretty well. Just 
Actually, we're having an Introduce a Girl to Engineering Day right now. And oh, I see. There are a lot of workshops going on, so I just came out of one of those. Oh, nice. How um, are those going? Very well. Like Our workshop specifically deals with like building a personalized prosthetic hand, just using basic mm. materials, mm -hmm. construction paper, bubble wrap, um, aluminum foil. Mm -hmm. And usually we do it with elementary kids, but this time it was a group of middle school girls. Ah, so from we like were, the around the neighborhood? Yeah, yeah or? from right around here, yes. <laughs> and we were worried that it might be a little too simplistic for them, Yeah, but they were able to come up with some really interesting ideas. Cool, um, very pretty nice. Innovative, so. Nice. We're happy with how Hopefully that Hopefully they went. continue on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Mm -hmm. uh, just for listeners who maybe haven't seen previous episodes that yeah. you've been featured in, do you mind giving a little intro? Yeah. So uh, my name is Unji Chung, and I'm an assistant professor of biomedical engineering um, here at USC. Um, I've been here since August of 2016, so about a year and a half in. And I guess broadly, our research group um, designs nanoparticles or biomaterials for um, diagnostics, drug delivery, and regenerative medicine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, I really wanted to dive into the subject of personalized medicine and nanomedicine mm -hmm. uh, because it's becoming more and more of a hot topic. And I think it's fundamental to where the field of biomedical engineering is headed yeah. in the next few years. Um, so I, I was reading an article recently, and I came across an interesting little fact that more than 20% of the new drugs that are approved by the Food and Drug Administration um, are personalized <coughs> medicines. Uh, so mm. there's, they're, they're obviously becoming more popular, and I know a little overview about what they are, but yeah. how would you define personalized medicine? Mm, I guess just broadly, it's, yeah. um, you know, even though humans, we are very similar genetically, there are some differences. And depending on those differences, certain drugs um, might affect everyone a little bit differently. Maybe it's a dose um, specificity. So you might have a therapeutic effect in certain groups of people um, at a much lower dose. And if you give them a normal, let's say average dose, it might be too toxic for them. And so in that regard, personalized medicine can be defined as kind of understanding like your metabolism rate um, and then dialing in uh, a more personalized and a concentration that is more fitting for that person. Cool. And how, <laughs> what are some of the ways we can determine what mm -hmm. that dose is or yeah, uh, what's best for each patient? Right. Sometimes it could be trial and error, but sometimes it can be just genetic testing. Um, I think that's probably where a lot of things are headed. Um, just understanding everyone's, you know, small genetic differences and how that correlates with um, probably just, um, you know, data that has been collected um, over a certain amount of years or days or months and then seeing patterns um, across various populations and then being able to uh, prescribe um, or more, I guess, specific regimen. Mm -hmm. right. And why do you think it's becoming more popular now? Why is it becoming such a hot topic? Hmm. Well, I guess it's been a hot topic for a little while now, but it must be that the technology and just our tools for assessing, um, you know, these small differences have become more and more common and commonplace and probably less expensive. It's kind of like uh, 23andMe, you know, you can do it from your own home, um, you know, just pay a couple hundred dollars. Even that can be a way to get, I guess, 
you know, your own genetic makeup. Um, so I think it's just that the cost um, has uh, been driven down and they're just more prevalent. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, are, can you think of any limitations to personalized medicine? Is it something mm-hmm. that we sh- everyone should be shooting for? Um, are there other approaches that are better in certain situations? Hey, y'all, sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to let you know that we have a number of campus visit programs available to you right now. If you want to check out what campus is like, if you want to learn more about the Viterbi School of Engineering, go to viterbi.link slash visit. That's V-I-T-E-R-B-I dot link slash visit, where you can learn about our Viterbi visit experiences that happen on most Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We have some virtual events that happen on occasional weekdays and occasional Saturdays. Plus, we have some transfer virtual admission sessions where you can learn all about how to get those courses ready for transferring. We want to meet you. We will have lots of opportunities opportunities to do it and it's happening all summer long, but get your registration in now at viterbi.link slash visit. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, I, it doesn't seem like personalized medicine is needed for everything because yeah, even though the costs are lower, there's still a cost associated yeah. with it, right? But for very important and just kind of cruel diseases like cancer, uh, sometimes the makeup of that tumor cell um, and what they're expressing specifically can give you quite good information about how chemotherapy could or could not work or what combination might work better. Um, so I think it is, uh, you know, case by case and disease you know, maybe a benign, like a headache, like you don't need personalized medicine to take a Tylenol, mm-hmm. you know, we just know that uh, within a, a given range, um, more or less it's safe um, for the average human being, and you can take it, um, you know, this many hours, and, and the, the company that has made it has done their research to pr- give that kind of direction. So I think personalized medicine, it, it's definitely a great tool, but yeah, it doesn't have to be applied for kind of like everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know that your research focuses on nanomedicine and regenerative medicine. Yeah. How do you see that fitting into the broader topic of personalized medicine? Yeah, so um, nanomedicine, I guess for our group, we specialize and we try to focus the nanoparticles that we design so that they can target something on the molecular level to a disease um biomarker of interest and so it can only go to that specific set or designing it to go very specific to that disease cell type or marker versus everywhere in your body and so it in that way it's a little bit more I guess targeted um, and we can also design the nanoparticles so that they can get there and you can tack on drugs or a diagnostic agent etc um, if you just put a diagnostic agent then you can get a readout that says, oh, this particular um, maybe person, hopefully in the future, um, has, um, you know, a disease in this stage, right? Mm -hmm. And that becomes more personalized to them because we're able to get a molecular readout. Um, On the same kind of train of thought, we can provide a drug dose to get it specifically to that site and get even more, and get, I guess, finer tuned that drug dose. Um, Still, Um, even with personalized medicine, you have to think about how it's going to get into the body. So it might be 
through a IV, um, you know, line, or it might be like a shot into your muscle, um, like a vaccine, uh, or you might have to take it orally. And so for us, um, well, the thing about all of those, um, I guess, ways of getting a drug into the body is that it'll still affect, you know, your entire body. We call that systemic. Mm-hmm. Um, versus the nanoparticles are trying to get it to only the disease cells, right? Um, And can only bind to the disease cells to unload that drug. So um, I guess there's multiple personalized components of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you guys do in vivo testing? Yes. Okay. In vivo meaning animal yes, testing. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> how, like, let's say you make um, a breakthrough or you're able to prove uh, mm-hmm. some concept, how long before that could potentially hit the market for humans? Uh, yeah. Treatment? You know, I think um, you know, that's a hard question to answer just because it hasn't happened in my lab yet. Okay. But uh, what I can tell you is that something that we've designed since I got here a year and a half ago, we're now working with a vascular surgeon so that when they take out um, in their kind of normal routine during surgery when they have to like um, maybe take out some diseased arteries, we're trying to harvest those um, kind of discarded samples and test our nanotherapeutics on those patient-derived cells to see if it can have a very specific effect on them. So that's kind of step one. And then step two would then be, um, you know, potentially putting it into a patient and seeing if it can actually work in a, in a patient as well. So we're sort of kind of moving in that direction. We're always moving in that direction, always. But how fast it, it might be, you know, it's kind of project dependent. But um, right now we have kind of uh, one of our nanotherapeutics for cardiovascular disease is going towards that direction more quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the communication process between your mm. group and then the vascular surgeon, what does that look like? Um, you know, it's like the way that you and I are talking right now. Yeah, yeah they are someone, um, you know, it's, we're all trying to do, um, we, we both have the same goal, right, is to make sure that patients ultimately get the best treatment and that their um, their disease can, you know, be potentially cured or at least regress. Um, and we have the technology, and so I've always worked with clinicians. Um, so we have clinician collaborators on all of our projects, whether that's kidney disease or cardiovascular um, medicine. Um, and you know, I reach out to experts, um, typically with an MD that I think might be a good fit. And then we get together. I discuss the platform that we're developing and um, this, the data to date. And then we get together about what are the next steps. Um, and so it's a collaborative effort. So we're getting a IRB, which is um, a protocol that we need to get um, approved to get like patient human samples. Um, so that's a collaborative effort. And so then we work out, okay, so after I've harvested, who in my lab might pick it up that day? How are we going to uh, freeze it or store it? Or how are we going to isolate the cells? Um, what's the turnaround rate? Um, you know, and and kind of it's at that point um, we're at the very beginning of this but at that point you know I think it's on its way towards hopefully clinical translation yeah Mm -hmm. so would the surgeon would the surgeon be making suggestions on what they want or what something Mm. that you're doing that could maybe be done a different way or are they 
<clears throat> like, well, what sort of influence do they have? Yeah, just kind of depends. So, for our, we have two projects that I'll just talk about specifically. Okay. So, this one that I was just talking about, the cardiovascular surgeon, um, he is going to give us um, these uh, samples. Um, and as we were talking about the atherosclerosis biology and the way that the disease progresses, progresses, there are places where there's ambiguity. And I know that, and he knows that on his end because he sees it directly. Um, and so we think about that, and that could be a point where we say, well, what if our, what if we test our nanotherapeutic um, to try to understand this process a little bit better so that it can give him more information as well? Um, so that's one way. But, in, but for that particular collaboration, it's really just a practical thing. He's going to tell us when um, there might be a surgery coming up. We'll go there to, to take the harvested samples, and then we'll bring it back to our lab, and we'll do the testing, right? With our other collaborator, with the kidney collaborator, um, he... We have a, he's very much a, a scientist himself as well. As much as he does the clinical work, he also um, has a large research lab and um, also applies for grants and funding um, at the National Institute of Health. So he's very much a scientist too. And so when we get together, we, we're thinking about, okay, um, here are the problems in the field for this kidney disease. This is what our nanotherapeutic can do. I think you know, this combination could work, and he'll say, well, maybe this dose, you know, it, yeah, it just, it, he'll kind of give a little bit more feedback about um, what is or isn't working, and maybe now knowing our nanoparticle platform, how it might um, be tailored uh, for its use. We'll actually do the design and engineering, and then we get together, and um, my graduate student right now shuttles back and forth, his lab and my lab, and he'll make the particles, he might do some testing over there, um, he'll do some animal experiments over here. He'll do some animal experiments over there. So it's kind of like a um, kind of a fluid collaboration there. So it just kind of depends on the needs and the state of the project and of the disease. Yeah. Okay, got it. And what is it about nanomedicine that excites you most? Mm. Yeah, I think the field itself um, has only been around, like the the genesis of the field. I guess started in the 60s, but really, um, it's only really grown as a true field of its own, standing on its own in the last 20 years or so. And so there's still a lot to be known. And now the patterns of way, the way, let's say, nanoparticle size works in the body, or just, just by size alone, um, just by tuning the size of the particle, or the shape of the particle, or it's just that there are so many endless possibilities um, currently. And so because it's so new, I think um, there's just a lot of excitement there. But I think also the potential um, for it to make a huge impact in someone's life, I think is also the other really exciting. And the reason why we feel, um, I guess, you know, just that force behind us, yeah, to, to keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So engineering students, yeah. Uh, at USC, they're exposed to the 14 grand challenges um, right from the get-go of their education here. Yeah. And one of those grand challenges is engineer better medicine. And as I was looking through the website, <laughs> I noticed that in that subbody is personalized medicine, and it's emphasized very heavily. Mm. Um, why do you think, do you, well, do you feel like it belongs in that list of 14 overarching topics that we should be talking about and all engineers should be addressing? And why do you think it's so important? Hmm. So I'm guessing other 
the other 13 kind of touches on like energy and yes. right so yes. it becomes really broad yes yeah i mean health and personalized medicine definitely should be part of it as much as it is medicine there's so much engineering that is happening in that you know personalized medicine just just what we spoke about nanoparticles designing nanoparticles and biomaterials comes you know it's this hodgepodge of material science and engineering you've got to learn the materials part You've got to learn, um, of course, the biology behind it, too, and some chemical engineering concept because it's about transport through the body and um, movement, right, within a fluid system. Um, so you've got to learn those principles. And then it's also medicine as well. And then if you think about, um, you know, the, pa- the um, what the physician has to do in a sterile environment, um, and then, and then kind of like pharmaceutical companies, large-scale engineering and scale up all those components have engineering in it and Mm -hmm. so i think it definitely um should be represented there Mm -hmm. and it's important because we're all humans yes and we're all we're all going to need medicine at one point or another whether that is something benign as tylenol or a vitamin or something or something more serious listeners are trying to live longer healthier lives absolutely yeah (laughs) and where do you see us going with personalized medicine, nanomedicine in the next five to 10 years? Or what are your hopes? I guess you could talk about it in a more broad scale or personally with your research lab. What do you Yeah, I would say the biggest um, advances in nanomedicine and personalized medicine have been in cancer therapies. Um, but there really is like a, a limitation in a lot of the other diseases, like the ones that we're trying to tackle in cardiovascular medicine as well as kidney. In fact, there's really a dearth of available there's really no nanoparticle system for the type of kidney disease that we're tackling. And so I guess my hope is that we can have um, and pioneer some advances and learn about the disease and then how our nanotherapeutic can be designed such that it can actually have a, you know, a positive effect. Mm-hmm. And how do students, uh, you have both undergrads and graduate students working in your lab, correct? Mm-hmm. We also have a high school student as oh. well. And last summer we had a middle school teacher as well who I still collaborate with on outreach efforts. But um, she actually was part of the teacher's program here at the the VAST program. And she did a little research block um, for the summer as well. But we, all, we have high, one high school student like six or seven undergraduate students. We have um, one master's student, two PhDs, and two postdocs, yeah. What sort of (laughs) exposure do they get to these types of concepts by working in your lab? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it it starts from, um, let's say, bottom up and top down. Um, Top down in the sense that we do group meetings and they get to see how everyone else what where, where they're at with their projects and why it's important. Um, and, and then they're able to, in the lab, uh, work on their, you know, more defined project. Um, and sometimes just about the scientific method, right? Sometimes things just need to be optimized. Things need to be weighed. Um, and then they can uh, synthesize uh, nanoparticles, purify them. Um, yeah, most undergrads have, have a... Uh, Define project. They work with a mentor um, that that's a postdoc or a graduate student, um, and so they're typically exposed to all all levels of that, even up to animal work as well. Okay. Yeah. And what would you say are some of the biggest overarching challenges that you guys face as a research group? Mm. You know, challenges come and go, but I've always believed kind of the harder you work, the luckier you get. There are 
points where we're sort of unsure about what this means. It could go both ways. You might have to repeat an experiment, but after repeating, we still might have more questions. Um, but they've been a challenge, I guess, like in any science lab, but they've also been exciting because it's often springboarded kind of a newer project that provided newer insights and newer science. Um, so I think the challenges come and go. Um, and I think the challenges is really what it's about. This is all new stuff here. We're not repeating anybody's experiments in, our, in any of these labs at USC, right? So this is all novel research, which makes it challenging by itself. But that's, I think, but, you know, at the same time, that's why it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, those are actually all the questions I had for you. And cool. I think I have a better understanding of, it's always different when you talk to someone who's actually involved in the field and they can give you a, more, a deeper perspective. Glad. Uh, so I appreciate it again. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Sure. <laughs> and that's a wrap for this episode. I really enjoyed my time with Dr. Chung. I learned a lot about personalized medicine, and it got me even more excited about the field than what I was before. Thanks for tuning in, and keep an eye out for future episodes like this one. And that just about wraps up this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining us. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on SoundCloud. For our prospective students out there, make sure you're checking vitribiadmission.usc.edu for any updates on the application. And for the rest of you, keep reading our blogs and fight on. See you next week. <laughs>